Welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights. It's uh, an episode about how to set up your table or tables at a show. Ron and Rhett Palmer, one of the, the local dealer father-son that set up, and I frequent their tables. There are multiple tables, and uh, I'm going to talk about how they set it up because I've spent time there, and I'm just not trying to get any trade secrets out of them, but uh, they seem to be enjoying themselves and doing well, so I thought it'd be worth sharing. Uh, thanks, sponsors, Topps, Panini, and Upper Deck, Heritage Auctions, Huckins and Scott Auctions, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Burbank Sports Cards, CompC.com, Beckett Media, Beckett Rating, Beckett Authentication. So thanks, Palmers. Thanks, listeners. Here it is. Welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights, here with the Palmers. They're one of my favorite tables. I can get stuck in front of their table, behind their table. They're very strategically uh, located, and it's been very enjoyable for me. I find Rich Klein there some of the times, too. But I thought this would be an interesting episode to find out as they have worked together, and they're pretty in sync, which, again, is a great testimony to uh, a close-knit family. There's an art and a science to setting up your table, and I think these guys are doing it well. Ron and Rhett, welcome. We're going to talk about how you have iterated toward kind of best practices for setting up your table. Because should I say this? It's working for me. I hope it's working for you. (laughs) So welcome. How much preparation do you have and how many tables do you need? How have you improved that over the years? First, before we get started, I wanted to thank you for having us on on your podcast. And and even more important than that, thank you for stopping by our table frequently. It's always great to have you there. I try to pay for your table. Be one of them. <laughs> but I don't want to pay for all your table. Going back to some of your questions, if I miss any, let me know. We typically, depending on the size of the show, if it's a larger show, we'll have usually six to eight front tables. And then we usually have four or five back tables. And the back tables are just additional cards for people to sit and go through that are, that are typically our, our 10 cent quarter type cards. Just even the strategy of doing that, when people pass by, even if there's nobody in front of your table, which there typically are, there's some people behind your table. I mm-hmm. think that draws attention. You guys, you're very front-facing, helping the, the customers. But to see that couple that's back there, it, it means somebody thinks there's some interesting stuff back there. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it got my attention. I thought, what's so special about that? So I went back there and checked <laughs> it out. Then maybe Rich Klein came up and said, hey, what's he doing back there? And then he <laughs> share. And so a little bandwagon effect. Okay, so that's in the back there. Your front row, it seems to me it's organized linearly that when you start on the left, it's the more expensive stuff. And as you work your way to the right, which is farther out of your eyesight, it's uh, lower priced. Is that intentional? And right in the middle, you've got your unopened. We try to balance our stuff out to your lesser expensive stuff all the way up to your most expensive items at our table so that nothing is like diminishing to anybody or it doesn't send people away. We don't want anybody that's interested in expensive items to feel like they're in people that are going for the 10 cent quarter stuff. They don't want to be in their way and we don't want vice versa to happen for people that are looking for more inexpensive items. (laughs) So we try to keep it just very linear and almost separated. The middle is still your dollar, $3, $5. So it becomes a nice transition for anybody that ever wanted to venture on and see what is higher up or further. You're proving my point. I, I try not to go too far <laughs> left with you guys. Everything is priced as marked, but the, the box is marked. And there's some discount if people buy a whole bunch, but that's pretty normal. But not all your wax on open product is marked, I don't think, is it? Is that you you give them a quote? Is that because the the price is too fluid? Because I when I'm there, 
looking at your other stuff, there's a lot of interest in your wax product. There's a couple of reasons for doing that, especially recently. The price changed a lot. It's very fluid. It's easier just for us to keep a price sheet. The other is as people are walking around looking at cards, sometimes if there's a sticker that shows, they get turned off with it. They won't even negotiate with you or ask what the price is. I'd like to know what their interest is first and go for it. That's in keeping with y'all's relational orientation. <clears throat> You're inviting Thanks. dialogue. That's one of the things I learned in another podcast is that if somebody makes you a lowball offer, you have two choices. One is to say, get out of here, don't ever come back, <laughs> mm-hmm. or try to figure out why they're making a lowball offer. Right. Might be the lack of knowledge. Might be that they're just testing you, but you're drawing them into a conversation and, and they're a potential future customer. I'm trying to think if y'all have been mean to me or rude to me when I first came up. I think people buy cards from people that they like or that they enjoy. If it's a chore, if they could grudgingly give people money, that's not good. So to have a winsome presentation and to be helpful is good for business. We love educating people that are getting into this hobby. That's nice that they spend money with us, but that's not the reason that we do it. We do it because we want them to understand what the hobby is, to be careful, not some of the pitfalls that you can fall in. We hope they continue to come back to our table because we, we helped educate them. But taking a long-term view is really wise. It's the reason y'all can have some longevity and project in the future. You're going to have recurring customers. Every business wants recurring uh, revenue. Have y'all been hit by very much theft? We have had one box that we know of. Now, we're very trusting. Maybe I don't need to say that on the podcast. <laughs> we have the, the attitude, if, if somebody's going to steal it, then evidently they want it more than we do. What comes around goes around. There was one fairly expensive box of unopened cards that disappeared last year. That was the first time that anybody had ever stolen anything from us that we know of. Like a basketball prison box or something that... Do you know how they did it? An unopened box. It was 2018 Tops Brooklyn. Yeah, the Tops Brooklyn series, little leather box. Yeah. Oh, they just somehow got it from behind the table and, and took it. That's no funny. There's so many ways to make money legitimately. You could have bought the box, opened it up, and made a lot of money, but to, to get it for free at the expense of a trusting dealer, that's, I knew you had to say something. I'm still remembering that theft from 1975. <laughs> that somebody <laughs> took my stuff. I've forgiven them. So you still haven't forgotten it though. Have I have forgotten. <laughs> okay. So well, if a show is uh, like Kyle's next show, there's the Thursday night and then there's Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Do you do as much as the other guys on Thursdays or is Thursday more of a setup day for you? Are you selling some big cards in some boxes then? Because I don't think anybody's going to hunt through your dollar and, and lower stuff on Thursday, are they? Thursday, we typically come in, we try to get set up. All that hard labor of the more expensive 10 cent quarter boxes, we try to get that out of the way so that we're more fresh on Friday mm-hmm. when everybody comes mm-hmm. in. Thursday, we try to catch up with our dealer buddies that we've created relationships with. We do try to get some deals, go around, see what everybody's gotten over the last month or so, then allow them to open up and get a fresh look at our stuff as well. Are you guys extra excited about the next show because you skipped one in the rotation because of your graduation, Red? Is it is going to be even more exciting, like coming back from an injury? I wish we were more excited about it because we're not going to get this one either, yeah. <laughs> unfortunately. We had a long-time family vacation planned, and this happened to fall on the worst weekend of the year as far as it could be concerned for that. So We are incredibly antsy for the next show. <laughs> have you all been to the National? We have. 
As a dealer or just a show? Typically at the national, we've just gone as participants, just walking around. This year, we are going to set up for the first time because we haven't been able to do the show the past four months. What have you learned when you've been at the national? Because when I've seen your table over the last few years, you're improving. You're learning, Mm -hmm. you're iterating. But is some of that coming from seeing others? What have you learned in terms of improving your the presentation? Because there's 500 dealers in there. And to be the one that people choose to spend money with, you got to be doing some things. By going through the national, it, it has taught me personally just how presentation matters because there's so many people that you have to look at. It's, you have to be almost moving at all times just to see everything during the national. I've had to notice what it takes to grab someone's attention at the national and not walk by because some tables are just very easy to miss. That's something you need to be able to learn from by observing. The, the beauty of what I see when I'm casing a, a show is I see a little bit of everything with you guys, whereas some tables are uh, just a mountain of wax. Some are only showcases of expensive stuff. Look, but don't touch. In fact, some it's not even for sale. Kyle Robertson, the show promoter in, in the DFW area, has really helped us grow by allowing us to get that many tables and spread out and bring everything from the 10 cent up to the thousands of dollars of cards. Because not, not everybody does it. It brings different clientele into his shows, and he realizes that also. So he's helped us promote it in that way. So we owe him a thank you. Well, well. just not different clientele. I think it's the clientele that we want to come to the show. Mm -hmm. People that are actual card collectors, collecting more than just the latest Luca or Zion, all the different sports, and really getting your favorite player or your local player, things like that. To me, those are the enduring customers that Mm -hmm. if prices double or chop in half, those people are still going to be there. Like I've said, if prices doubled overnight, not everybody would be happy. And if prices dropped in half overnight, not everybody would be sad. And I'm not sure it would affect your business that much on the high end, I'm sure. But people are building collections. I I visit with Kyle every once in a while. It makes sense to him to make it a show that's really accessible and not make it difficult for people. He's dealer friendly. And I just hope the fire marshal doesn't show up there. <laughs> oh, they do. We have. They do. So how many hours does it take you guys to to, to load up or, or to break down? It's rather brutal to get stuff there and back with having our card room upstairs in the furthest corner of the house. It's, oh, that's a problem. It's, all, it's a workout. It, it definitely keeps you in shape. But it typically takes us about how many hours would you say? To get everything down, to get it loaded up, it's a couple of hours. You have a van or a pickup a truck, but depending on the show, sometimes we have to take two vehicles. Is this a general plea to anybody that's listening to try to lighten your load, or is it just to me personally? <laughs> <laughs> if I come home with a pickup truck full of stuff, I'm in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> I noticed that Rhett, over the years, you put on more muscle, and now I know you don't even have to lift weights, it's occupational <laughs> carrying things around. That's that's it. Every bit of it's all cards. It's all cards. (laughs) (laughs) What's on the horizon? Is it enough that if Kyle's doing a show every couple of months, that's going to be your main thrust? Because it sounds like it's pretty onerous to to get set up and you're probably buying at shows. We are. Yeah. So then you got to integrate that in too. Yes. I would say we'll continue to do DallasCardShow.com, Kyle Shows. That's the primary focus. We had a little bit of an online presence through an eBay store at one point in time, but we felt like it was detracting from what we enjoy doing and taking time away from the sorting and everything else that we needed to do, having to manage that aspect of it. We'd rather do it in person. Basically, 
it's harder to sell cards than to buy cards, especially if you're trying to sell all the cards. You guys have come up with a good system. eBay, you can't look through stuff on eBay in the same mm-hmm. way you can at a show. You figured out a way to bring it. Again, you got to pay for the tables, but with these back tables and things like that and, and stacking them up, y'all are quite the stackers. Then, then um, you sell thousands. I don't know if you sell tens of thousands of cards each show, but I'm sure you sell thousands of cards each show. But you're bringing probably a couple hundred thousand cards. Is that probably about right? On, on the bigger shows, we're probably over half a million. Don't leave with this. Oh, my goodness. You got to make sure you get rid of it because if you don't get rid of it, that's back up the yeah. stairs and that's way worse than up and worse than down. I just want to thank you guys. I've been wanting to have you guys on just because you've really provided a lot of enjoyment. I thank Rich Klein for telling me, hey, this is a father-son deal, really good guys, and you could do well to sit down, pull up a chair, and enjoy. <laughs> I try not to bug you guys too much. I don't have a lot of questions other than how much would these be? Again, I don't think everybody should ask for a discount always, but if I'm picking up a lot of cards, it's nice to get a little discount. And yeah. you've all been uh, very kind. And then I go home and I try to explain to my wife that I'm having a subtraction by addition. <laughs> <laughs> uh, somehow this is going to make it easier for me to sell some of the other cards I have. I have a whole pile of cards that I've gotten from you guys that were mistakes. I talked about 98%. You guys are 98% right in where you put it. I'm way less than 98% of when I buy stuff from y'all. I'm probably <laughs> 70%. If I'd have taken my time at a lower price, it's just better to just, if in doubt, you take it. And Rich is the same way. We'll get back. Why do we buy that? Well, because we're in a hurry and wanted to look at all the cards. So thanks for providing that service. Like I said, you get aerobic points and weightlifting <laughs> points. And Red, I hope it uh, translates into a, a wonderful college experience or whatever you go on to do next, that you can take some of the lessons you've learned and, and the success you've had to, to be successful in this and other things. Because I think this is the greatest hobby in the world. It's also the greatest side gig in the world. Mm. Thanks, Ron. Thanks, Rhett. Uh, good time. Uh, I'll see you at one of these next shows. Thank you. Thank you. Okay.